Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cluster B personality disorders are characterized by dramatic, overly emotional, and unpredictable thoughts and behavior. From Ars Longa Media, this is Cluster B, scientifically informed, expert insights into the four Cluster B personality types, antisocial, borderline, narcissistic, and histrionic personality disorder. Here's today's host, Dr. Todd Grande. Hello, this is Dr. Grande. Today's question is, what is the nature of narcissistic abuse? And another question I'll be answering here is, what are the types of narcissistic abuse? So I've talked about this a little bit before in other videos, this concept of two individuals in a relationship, typically a romantic relationship, and one of them is narcissistic, or at least more narcissistic than the other, right? Everyone's a little bit narcissistic. And this narcissism exhibits in a way, it manifests in a way where it causes destruction in the relationship. So narcissistic abuse, this type of abuse is real and it oftentimes overlaps with other types of abuse. It rarely occurs in isolation. I wouldn't expect to see that, but it could happen. I have been situations where I've seen couples where the only type of abuse that took place was narcissistic abuse. But again, I wouldn't expect to see that too often. So when we talk about this construct of narcissistic abuse throughout this video, I'm going to be using an example of, again, a romantic relationship. And for this particular example, a man and a woman in a romantic relationship where the man has narcissistic traits and the woman is the one being abused. Only because this is really the most common way I see this. Of course, it does happen other ways. That's just what I'm going to use to keep this simple and to try to stay on target without demonstrating each type of possible situation each time. All right, so for this video, a woman who's the victim of abuse and a man who's narcissistic. So to understand narcissistic abuse, we first have to take a step back and understand romantic relationships. Now, this is going to sound a little peculiar when I first say this, uh, how I conceptualize romantic relationships, but it's going to make sense when I explain it. So romantic relationships are like car accidents. How's that for kind of a cheerful analogy there? Romantic relationships are like car accidents. And here's what they have in common with car accidents. The blame is variable, right? Many factors can contribute. So let's consider a few different scenarios and how the blame can divide up. Say that you're at a traffic light in your car and the light turned red maybe 15 seconds ago, 20 seconds ago, you pull up to it 
And then five, 10 seconds later, light's still red, and somebody drives into the back of your car. You don't know exactly who's at fault. Somebody could have pushed that car in, that driver could have had some sort of medical emergency and drove into you. But one thing you do know is it's not your fault, right? You're, you're at the traffic light, you're stopped, that's lawful, your brake lights are working, your car's in working order. So that's one of those situations where you know that you're not to blame. And you could presume most of the time that the car that hits you, the driver of that car, is 100% to blame. But again, you don't know that for sure. Now, other types of car accidents get a little more murky, right? A little more fuliginous in terms of who's at fault. So several factors come together and there's partial responsibility. So consider a situation where there's an intersection and someone stops their vehicle two feet over the line. So they're they're creeping the front of their car out to the intersection by two feet. Now, illegal, yes. Dangerous, certainly. But most people, if that car is only coming out two feet, most people driving the other way through the intersection could just move over a little bit. And maybe they wouldn't even have to, to not be involved in a collision with that car. But let's say there's a driver coming the other way who's looking at their cell phone and they don't see that the car came out two feet into the intersection and they hit the front of the car. So really blame can be divided there, right? Because yes, stopping past the line was illegal and dangerous, but looking at your phone while you're driving, that's illegal and dangerous too. Now, some situations, some car accidents occur because people fail to learn, right? There's another example where the blame is divided up. So you're driving on a two-lane road and you're in the passing lane and you come up to a car who's in the right lane and you see before you get up alongside that car that the car's swerving over the line, right? So maybe running into the shoulder and then coming out into your lane and back and forth. But you pull up beside them anyway and they sideswipe you. So this is really just a failure to learn. You knew they were driving all over the place, and yet you chose to pull up alongside them. So really, in a sense, you were hoping they were going to change. You thought maybe when you got up beside them, they would see your car, and they would no longer swerve, right? And I've seen this happen driving a few times during my life, where somebody's doing that, they're swerving, and somebody pulls right up alongside them anyway, and they get hit. And sometimes, most of the time, they don't because the person sees that car, and they stop swerving. But still, it's a failure to learn. It's not a good idea to pull up alongside a car where there seems to be erratic driving. So this is how romantic relationships and car accidents are similar. So with that in mind, I'm going to talk about four types of narcissistic abuse. And you could divide up narcissistic abuse into many different types. You could say there's two types, three types, or 10 types. There's a lot of different options, but I'm going to go over four types here of narcissistic abuse. So the first type of narcissistic abuse I'll cover here is exposure. I think most people who've been in a relationship and someone's narcissistic can relate to this, right? This one's a fairly basic type of abuse. So you're in a relationship and the person's narcissistic and they're narcissistic to other people. So they're arrogant, they're condescending, there's a sense of entitlement, right? They go into a restaurant and they demand to be seated in the best place in the restaurant. They demand to see like a secret menu, something like that, right? They want something special served to them. All these different situations that we see, and there's really potentially millions of examples of how narcissism expresses in daily life. So in a sense, and this is a mild form of abuse, 
but it's kind of abusive because you're hanging around them, right? It's feeling embarrassed. You're feeling embarrassed because of what they're doing. And then you're related to them in some way, like married to them or whatever. And it's just humiliating because they keep engaging these behaviors that draw negative attention to themselves. And you're right there. So a low grade abuse, because of course you could walk away. You don't have to sit right there, but just because people know you're associated with that person, it's embarrassing. And again, just a really mild form of abuse. I would expect that almost anybody could detect this type of subtle abuse, this type of mild abuse and make a decision about what they want to do. Do they want to walk away? Do they want to talk to the narcissist and say, you can be arrogant, but not around me? A lot of options. And again, just kind of the lowest type of abuse. So moving to the second type, this gets much more serious. And this is direct abuse. So this is when somebody yells, screams, says derogatory remarks, insults. This is not subtle. This, of course, has a fairly pronounced overlap with physical abuse. So just like with the exposure abuse, someone who's engaging in direct abuse, this is fairly obvious. Somebody knows when they're being yelled at. Somebody knows when somebody's insulting them. So there's no subtlety here. It's easily detectable. But still, just like the first one, it could be a product of narcissism. Narcissism could be the reason that these types of abuses are occurring. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the Bravery Academy. My name is Emma Ferris and I'm your host. This podcast is crafted to share the stories of courageous individuals who've overcome adversity and found the courage to live their best lives. We'll explore the science of well-being, courage and connection and interview top thought leaders, game changers and survivors. And it's from these stories that we learn what resilience is, how to heal, how to recover and how to be brave. The third type of narcissistic abuse is really the most common. And when people use the term narcissistic abuse, oftentimes this is what they're really talking about. This is the most discussed on YouTube. And this is insidious abuse, manipulation, right? So if we think about the characteristics of narcissism and we think about what symptoms, what characteristics really lead to abuse, sense of entitlement. Well, I talked about that before, maybe a little bit. Envy. I could see that sometimes. Being arrogant, sometimes. Lying, deceitfulness. Again, I think some of the time it could. But a lot of times we're thinking of manipulation. We're talking about manipulating another person, tricking another person, making them feel guilty, all these different things to gain something for some purpose. That's really the, again, I think the most discussed type of narcissistic abuse. And we see subtypes under that, right? Like, Gaslighting, when somebody tries to convince you that you're the problem in a relationship or that your thinking's not clear or your memory is fading or your abilities are fading or something like that. So really gaslighting is about maintaining power and control. We also see kind of the classic guilt trip, right? We see the 
wounded hero mentality. So that's when somebody wants you to feel sorry for them, but also be impressed by them at the same time. And a lot of times this isn't discussed, but infidelity, in particular, discovered infidelity. And I've seen this so many times where people in a relationship and one of the individuals, again, I'll use the example here of the man is narcissistic. The man's narcissistic and he has one affair or multiple affairs going on at the same time. And then when he's caught, he says, well, I wouldn't have had these affairs if you were a better romantic partner, if you met my needs. So kind of turning things around, it's really just manipulation, right? People know when they're cheating and they know that it violates the expectations of the relationship. So really, this is just twisting things around in an effort to be manipulative. So again, all these types and many more fall under this insidious abuse or manipulative abuse. So the fourth type of emotional abuse that I'll talk about here, I call emotional starvation or lack of affection and sensitivity. Sometimes I also refer to this as a lack of depth. So what does this really mean? I have a few different components here, a few different terms. Well, narcissism is not complex, right? In terms of the way narcissistic traits manifest, they're not actually complex. They're self-centered, immature, and sometimes the complex part of a personality never really gets to develop when narcissism is present. You could actually argue that everyone starts out narcissistic and some people develop out of it and become more complex and sensitive, and some people stay trapped in it and don't. And that's what we call narcissism. So what we see with people who are narcissistic is they are protecting themselves behind the walls of narcissism. So the lack of affection and the lack of depth and sensitivity really don't affect them. They're not really emotionally starving because they're protected by this mechanism. But their romantic partner is having this emotional starvation. So I think in terms of lack of affection and sensitivity, this comes down to won't and can't because that's part of the manipulation. But with the sensitivity, sometimes they can't. So I'll give a story to illustrate. One time I was test driving this car. It had a five-speed manual transmission. And I was going to buy it from this guy who owned it. And I'm like, look, can I take this out for a test drive? He's like, sure. We both get in the car. And I left the clutch in first gear. And we take off. And we're not even off his street. And I go to shift in second gear. And it won't go into second gear. Right now, normally, of course, that's what you would expect. You would expect the car to shift into second gear and it wouldn't. And I looked at him with this expression, I guess, that was saying, I need some sort of explanation. And he said in kind of a philosophical way, there is no second gear. Not, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to tell you second gear is broken, but just there is no second gear. And I didn't buy the car. We turned around and that was it. That just wasn't the car for me. Although I probably could have fixed that, but it was more work than I wanted to invest in that particular car. But what I always found interesting was the way he said that. Again, just very philosophical. There is no second gear. Like, why would you expect there to be a second gear? There never has been a second gear, right? So I thought that was kind of funny, and that's always kind of stuck with me. And that's what I think of. I think of narcissistic abuse. Sometimes in relationships, people are looking for the sensitivity, looking for the maturity. They're looking for the emotional connection. But there is no second gear. A lot of times with narcissism, somebody's stuck. They're stuck at that level. And there is no next level that you can get to easily. So again, with the lack of affection, I think that's a won't. They won't do that because of the manipulation. But the sensitivity and the depth, I think sometimes 
people who are narcissistic just can't do that. So those are the four types of abuse I'll cover here. And the next question I get related to this when I describe these is, why is narcissistic abuse so devastating? Right? All of these seem fairly clear, but that's really the problem. The insidious manipulation, by definition, isn't clear. I think what happens is, in the beginning of a relationship, someone may not be able to identify that the other person's narcissistic. They may not pick up on the abuse. Or the abuse may be slow to manifest because the person is, again, trying to be deliberately manipulative. Not a criminal mastermind or anything, but just deliberately manipulative. And we see that by the time the narcissistic abuse becomes somewhat obvious or the person suspects it's there, the romantic couple, their lives are intertwined. Marriage, children, friends, finances, just the logistics of life are tied together. So it's too simplistic to say, well, once you find out, you should just leave that relationship. Leaving may not be a viable or practical option at that point. So the real devastating component of narcissistic abuse is not only the abuse itself. It's the fact that it's not detected until people are really kind of bound together in some way. So that's why I think narcissistic abuse is really extra destructive beyond the manipulation, which is hurtful enough, and the other types of narcissistic abuse, like the lack of affection, it's also that component where it grows so slowly, people don't sense it. Just like if you're in a room and the temperature increases slowly, five, 10 degrees, the temperature may change before you notice it. So again, the whole process can be insidious. So is narcissistic abuse detectable early in a relationship, or is it a trap? that people are going to fall into every time. Well, I think both things can happen, right? I think sometimes people don't see it because they're never given clear signs. And again, it changes slowly because manipulation is efficient. But I think sometimes people do see it, but they don't realize that the narcissistic behavior can someday be directed at them, right? So if you're dating somebody and you see that they're condescending and arrogant and grandiose and jealous and all this, you may think, yes, that's unpleasant. Those characteristics are unpleasant, but they're never going to do this to me. I see the same thing with physical abuse. People get in relationships with people that are physically abusive. They physically attack other people and they say, that's never going to be me. Any behavior just about, almost any behavior that can be directed outward, can be directed inward, and can be directed into a relationship. So there's really two levels of misunderstanding that occur here, right? If somebody is narcissistic and they believe that that'll never be directed inward, that's not a wise way to think about it. It's an outward behavior, but it can be directed inward and it can cause harm. And if somebody's in a relationship with someone who's narcissistic and they believe it can never be directed into the relationship, that's also not necessarily wise. Negative and destructive behaviors in one sense are just like good behaviors, like being generous and charitable. They're multidirectional. If somebody's kind to their neighbor, they're probably going to be kind to someone who lives a mile away. They're probably going to be kind to a stranger they meet when they're 20 miles from home. If somebody's negativistic and has destructive behaviors and they're manipulative and they lie, those behaviors are also multidirectional. They're going to come out in a lot of different ways. So with all this in mind, this is why I think that 
education about narcissism, and to some extent, psychopathy, dependent personality traits, paranoid personality traits, histrionic personality traits, all these different constructs. Education about all these different constructs is important, especially if it can occur before people get too involved in a relationship. Of course, oftentimes what we see is that the education comes late in the game. Somebody's in a relationship where they're abused by someone who's narcissistic, and then they look for resources. And then they find out that narcissism is a real thing and how it can be destructive and how it may have been affecting their relationship. The good news is, though, that no matter when somebody learns about narcissism, there's usually still some options. There's still something positive that can be done, like going to counseling, for example. So the information really never reaches a point where it's useless. It would just simply be more useful if it was introduced earlier in relationships. For more content like this, check out Healthy Toxic, another podcast from Ars Longa Media, all about what makes or breaks relationships, including issues related to narcissism, narcissistic abuse, and how personality disorders affect relationships. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. Learn more at ArsLonga.media. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.